Freakonomics Radio is sponsored by Discover. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. That means no waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. Real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Freakonomics Radio is sponsored by Mint Mobile. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash freak. That's mintmobile.com slash freak. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash freak. Upfront payment of $45 required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on their first three-month plan only. Speeds are slower, above 40 gigabytes on an unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. About 20 years ago, William Kostopoulos had his wisdom teeth taken out. It didn't go so well. I had a, a, a laryngeal spasm on the operating table, and when I came to, I was shattered. I, they thought I had, had a stroke. You know, I was dribbling, my eye was funny, I couldn't see properly. I looked like I had lost oxygen. Kostopoulos hadn't had a stroke. It turned out that he was showing some early symptoms of multiple sclerosis. Uh, this persisted for about three and a half, four years after that. You know, pain, optic neuritis, they gave me, they, they'd done CAT scans, they'd done all sorts of things. And then one particular doctor decided to get a, um, an MRI done. And the MRI after the optic neuritis, uh, the optic nerve was playing up, you know, it was going all cloudy and I couldn't see properly out of my left eye. A particular doctor asked me to get a, uh, an MRI scan and the MRI scan came back with a whole lot of other issues with me having MS and lesions and the whole, the whole shebang. If you saw me then, you'd say, this guy, you can forget this guy. He's going nowhere. No one is a good candidate for MS, but Kostopoulos was an especially outgoing and outdoorsy guy, the kind of Australian that Americans like to put in beer commercials. For Kostopoulos, the prospect of gradually losing more and more control of his body was devastating. And then, a fateful trip to the hair salon. I came to know Dr. Barodi through uh, my wife, who um, she used to cut his hair because she owned a salon in Five Dock. And uh, that's how I got to know Dr. Barodi. And why did you go to Dr. Brody for treatment? Because he, he was very, very concerned about my health. He saw, he's known me from, for, for years through my wife. And when he saw me get ill, he was very, very shattered and very concerned. Dr. Thomas Barodi is a gastroenterologist in Sydney. Now, if you're like me, you immediately think, what's a gastroenterologist who treats ulcers and diarrhea have to do with MS? But Brody isn't your typical gastroenterologist. He is, to put it mildly, a bit of a medical maverick. 
the treatment he tried on William Kostopoulos was something that most of us, something that even most doctors would find unusual and perhaps unsettling. But then it apparently worked. Uh, it didn't. It wasn't an overnight occurrence where you know I got better like within 15 seconds. But all I know now is I'm 47 years old. I ride a custom chopper. I travel the world. I have a great time, and I'm not in a bloody wheelchair, right? That's all I know. So what happened? What does a gastroenterologist in Sydney know about treating MS? Here's a hint. It has something to do with the trillions of microorganisms that live inside your gut. It has to do with... There's really no easy way to say this. It has to do with poop. From WNYC and American Public Media, this is Freakonomics Radio. Today, the power of poop. Here's your host, Stephen Dubner. The history of medicine is a strange one. It's filled with missteps and misdeeds and seemingly obvious solutions that took too long to discover. Take hand washing. It wasn't until the middle of the 19th century that doctors realized it was a good idea to disinfect their hands between handling a corpse and delivering a baby. Dr. Thomas Barodi is trying to rewrite his own corner of medical history. He's a member of a small but growing band of doctors who are pushing the frontiers of medicine in a decidedly strange direction. Fecal matter, I was brought up to to believe it was waste, but we've now learned that it's the largest organ of the body. It contains about nine times more living bacteria, bacterial cells, than the the body contains human cells. So in a manner of speaking, we are 10% human, 90% poo. The importance lies in the bacteria. We know bacteria can do wonderful things like help us digest food and terrible things like cause infection. Thanks to advances in DNA technology, medical researchers are getting better at figuring out which bacteria do what and when and why. This is leading to a new understanding of disease. The idea is that many ailments from constipation to MS to obesity may be caused by missing or damaged intestinal bacteria. So, what if you could take healthy bacteria from one person and put them inside a person who's ill? That's what Barodi did for William Kostopoulos' MS. He performed a fecal transplant. Now, when the stool is infected with a bug, when we change the flora by implanting another person's stool, that other person may contain bacteria which manufacture antibiotics. And this is the key. Bacteria make molecules that kill other bacteria. In fact, most antibiotics come from bacteria, such as vancomycin, for example. And you will remember fungi produced penicillin. So it now physiologically makes good sense that when you implant flora from a healthy person into a person who's got infected flora, that infected flora may be cured by that single implantation. That's right. The doctor takes some fecal material from a healthy person, a fecal donor, and transplants it into the patient. 
And just like that, the good bacteria have a chance to flourish where the bad bacteria once ruled. Barodi has been performing fecal transplants for more than 20 years. He began by treating diarrhea and constipation. In fact, my mother was the first patient ever, and she was cured. And it's interesting because my father was a donor, and he has passed away, but his poo lives on, in a manner of speaking. Other researchers are holding their noses and diving in as well. In 2003, a team of researchers in Germany found a possible connection between the intestinal tract and the path that Parkinson's disease takes as it attacks the nervous system. Barodi himself has treated a few Parkinson's patients by focusing on fecal bacteria, successfully, he claims, and he's currently setting up a medical trial to prove that he's right. It should be said that Barodi's work is not greeted with universal enthusiasm by his fellow physicians, which, in the scope of medical history, is pretty typical. Barodi points to the case of Barry Marshall, a fellow Australian gastroenterologist. Marshall became convinced that peptic ulcers were caused not by stress or spicy food or stomach acid, as most people believed, but by a bacterium called Helicobacter pylori. His theory was roundly dismissed. And so, Marshall swallowed some Helicobacter pylori and proved his theory correct. Then he made himself well again with antibiotics. Years later, he won a Nobel Prize. Well, the feedback is very much like Barry Marshall's. I was initially ostracized. There was a program on our ABC radio where a professor of medicine um, named me um, as being a charlatan for doing fecal transplants, and he had no idea of the science behind it, very much like those people who initially criticized Barry Marshall. And initially, uh, Louis Pasteur was also criticized like this, um, and so was Edward Jenner with immunization for smallpox. So I don't expect anything different, but even now, um, I have uh, my colleagues would uh, you know avoid talking about this or, or meeting me at uh, conferences, although this is changing. I've just had an invitation to speak at an international conference about fecal transplantation, dash, the state of the art. So I think we might be uh, turning a new leaf, and I think we should, with poo especially. One thing that might help Barodi turn a new leaf is a catchy name. I tried to help him come up with something, but he was way ahead of me. So can't you call it flora therapy? That just sounds like some rose petals being sprinkled about. I mean, one patient came back six weeks after, and she, with a straight face, not understanding what she was saying, said, Doctor, when I had my transpusion, so, you know, we could use all terminology. <laughs> there you go, a transpusion. Coming up, the transpusion takes root in America, too. Freakonomics Radio is sponsored by Canva. Supercharge your work with AI-powered Magic Write in Canva Docs. You can just describe what you want to say in a few words, and Magic Write will generate a draft in seconds. You can use it for sales proposals, marketing plans, job descriptions, meeting agendas, you name it. Tweak your draft, and you're done. It is a serious time saver, and... 
the perfect way to beat the blank page. Generate your draft with Canva Docs at canva.com, designed for work. Freakonomics Radio is sponsored by Amica Insurance. Amica Insurance is all about empathy. They know your auto, home, and life insurance are more than just policies. Home insurance is about protecting the life you've built. Auto insurance is there to protect you on the road ahead. That's why Amica takes a consultative approach to help protect what matters most to you. They are a customer-owned insurance company that puts your needs first, and their representatives are available 24-7 for claim-related matters. As Amica says, empathy is our best policy. Freakonomics Radio is sponsored by Cars.com. Have you heard about the Your Garage feature on Cars.com? Here's how it works. You add your car to your garage to track its market value and cash in when the time is right to sell. Track both your car's historical and projected value. When it's time to sell, easily secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. From American Public Media and WNYC, this is Freakonomics Radio. Here's your host, Stephen Dubner. American researchers are looking into the medical value of poop as well. At the University of Minnesota, Alex Koritz is combining his background in immunology and gastroenterology to explore just how useful fecal flora might be. His latest research looks at a possible connection between fecal flora and obesity, and he plans to run a trial in which obese people get a transpusion from healthy trim people. Most people, when they think of human waste, they just think, you know, what do you think of when you think of human waste? Well, part of me has not overcome that feeling. I think it's, it's universal. It's uh, evolutionarily put in there. We're, we're supposed to avoid <laughs> avoid the stuff. Um, but I also realize that it's that what it represents is shedding of uh, our microbial organ. So I also think about all the functions that that entity has. And it's, it's essentially like elephant in the room for a gastroenterologist. We talk about all the other parts of the digestive tract, but we're so ignorant about this component that uh, most gastroenterologists and other scientists know very little about it. And so our level of knowledge hardly exceeds that of a fifth grader who just says exactly as you said. Yeah. Now, I notice you keep calling it it. What do you actually call it when it's not it? What's your word for it? I think of it as a microbial organ. So it's just like an organ anywhere else in your body. But we're talking about poop. We're talking about poop, yes. Well, poop is is just uh, is what, we, what we see. It's a little more complex than that inside. But we can uh, we can detect or measure most of the constituents of this microbial organ in poop. And it's easy to get. So that's what we study. Now, talk to me. Let's, let's jump forward a little bit and talk to me about the current state of fecal transplantation 
what is it? How does it work? What does it achieve? Um, well, th- fecal transplantation actually is not something uh, complete and novel. And uh, in the 50s, a, a, a serious complication was already described. And this was called pseudomembranous colitis. People would develop diarrhea and sometimes they would get really, really sick. This would be so-called fulminant colitis. They become septic and the mortality of that was something like 75%. So um, in the 50s, people decided, well, we're probably messing up bacteria inside and what will happen if we just infuse them back? We'll take some fecal material from a normal, healthy donor and uh, homogenize it with saline and infuse it in as an enema. And in fact, they've described these miraculous cures of people who were destined to die given how sick they were. It was uh, discovered in the 70s that this pseudomembranous colitis is caused by a particular infection, infection uh, called Clostridium difficile. This pathogen has been getting smarter and smarter with, uh, with time and has reached truly epidemic proportions. We treat the infection with other antibiotics. Usually we're successful, but obviously we fail a lot of, a lot of the time. And so this procedure, which sounds pretty desperate, has had a resurgence. So what we did was try to uh, measure composition of the different microbes before the procedure, look at the composition of the donor, and then see whether, in fact, we've engrafted the donor material into the, uh, into the recipient. Essentially, is this an organ transplant or not? And the result was quite remarkable. We were able to engraft the donor microbial communities to the extent that it was essentially indistinguishable from that of the donor. We, in fact, have done a true transplant. What makes the gut so hard to study, or what makes it so hard to study the microbial environment of the gut? So the uh, microbial world, particularly inside the colon, is extremely complex. Um, it contains, each one of us contains uh, hundreds of different species of bacteria and other domains of life. Um, and most of those um, critters, if you like, are impossible to culture in a laboratory by themselves. So it's, it's a very complex world. And until the development of latest DNA technologies and computational techniques, it was inaccessible to study. Like Barodi, Koritz performs fecal transplants himself, and he sees them as a potentially powerful answer to a host of important medical questions. But he's careful to say that these are early days. Well, we're, we're yet to see whether it's going to be the solution to a lot of illness. It's, it's, it's too early. But when I got into the field, I was fully cognizant of all the potential ramifications and potentials. I mean, being a researcher, I was aware of this work being going on. I was aware that an entire new science was being born. And actually, I was almost salivating with envy. Oh, boy, I wish I was in that field. And it just so happened as a gastroenterologist, 
I'm in the middle of that field, so I couldn't resist entering it. We're at the beginning of this new science. This is a wide open new frontier. Yeah, I, I know what you're thinking. You shouldn't salivate with envy when you're talking about fecal transplants. Let's face it, the whole thing is, on its surface, disgusting. But if we've been collectively wrong about poop, it would hardly be the first time we've been collectively wrong. Throughout civilization, problems thought to be unsolvable got solved. We humans innovate. We come up with cheaper, simpler, better solutions. Solutions that often turn conventional wisdom on its ear. All it takes is a couple of gutsy investigators willing to go to a dark place. For millennia, human waste has been a frightful byproduct of our existence, a source of shame and disease. Wouldn't it be amazing if poop, as explored by doctors like Alex Koritz and Thomas Barodi, turns out to be a health breakthrough rather than a health hazard? Barodi can't say with 100% certainty that poop is why his MS patient William Kostopoulos got his life back, but, well, he did get his life back. Did you ever give Dr. Brody a gift of any sort to thank him? No, actually, I've never done that. I've got to, I've got to give him something. I've never done that. I'm not saying you have to. I was just asking the question. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, I've never given him anything. To be honest with you, he's always giving. Maybe, you know, it might be nice. Maybe you could install some new toilet paper rolls in his house, some gold-plated toilet paper dispensers. Hey, I might go get some toilet paper printed. Oh, there you go. Just especially for him. There you go. The power of poo. <laughs> Freakonomics Radio is a co-production of WNYC, American Public Media, and Dubner Productions. This episode was produced by Chris Neary and mixed by David Herman. Our staff includes Colin Campbell, Susie Lechtenberg, and Beret Lamb. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and you'll get the next episode in your sleep. You can find more audio at FreakonomicsRadio.com. And as always, if you want to read more about the hidden side of everything, go to Freakonomics.com. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.